Good afternoon, and I am your host, Sean Rumkunis, and welcome to Music Speaks, the podcast that is dedicated to how music impacts one person's life. I think that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. And today, my guest is Grace Rumkunis, my sister. Uh, she is recently enrolled in Indiana University studying arts administration and was an elementary music school teacher for three years. Welcome to the show, Grace. Thank you. Right off the bat, <laughs> you are my sister. Yes. And I should say that you have been my biggest inspiration when it comes to playing music. I think I was so jealous that you started playing music. I think that's where my drive for becoming great at playing trumpet comes from. So let me ask you this. Uh, when did you start playing music? I started playing um, piano in second grade um, because we had a piano in our house. And I always really wanted to be able to play it well and not just plunk on some random keys. Um, and then in fourth grade, the marching band came to our elementary school to give a demonstration of every instrument. And I loved the drums the most because they made that boomy uh, sound that kind of made you jump a little bit and it got me super excited and I, I loved it. And so I started lessons in fourth grade. Or, or fifth grade, I forget what trouble does, but. So I think uh, one of my earliest memories of music was doing marching band. I think you and me share that together. Mm-hmm. And also you doing winter percussion. Right. Uh, what uh, were the best musical memories that you've had from both these outlets? So with marching band, my favorite memory and kind of still is to this day um, each season that I teach um, is when we separately learn the music and we work on it in our own sections so woodwinds are by themselves brass are by themselves drum lines by themselves and um, the pit, the front ensemble we're we're by ourselves and then once um, all the pieces come together and we have our first full ensemble rehearsal it's super exciting because you can um, kind of hear the potential of how good and and how great it could be and um it's exciting and it's obviously really loud and um it's it's kind of like the summer's coming to an end and it's like something something's exciting is about to happen and i love that moment and i've always that's always been my favorite moment in every single every single season um, winter percussion wise, I would say it's all, I mean, it's all playing experiences. So whenever we would compete nationally in Ohio, we would go to, um, Dayton, University of Dayton and compete nationally in their arena there and, um, playing with my, my friends that I've made, you know, that became really close, like family. Those were my favorite, favorite moments where Obviously, it was fun to be competitive, but also to play with such high stakes and um, become as perfect as we possibly could and and work really, really hard to that final moment was, was is always really, really great and to see what we can do and our limits. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, winter percussion is like an inside version of marching band, right? Right. So it's basically like... Um, 
indoor marching band, but take away the brass and the woodwinds. And so it's just percussion and take away the guard. They have their own indoor guard. And, um, and now indoor winds, winds line. But um, yeah, what we do is just, um, we have a floor that's printed and kind of fills the whole, fills, fills the whole gym. And uh, a show that really is based off of one theme. So for example, our show last year was power and um, all about different types of power, power that's good, power that's bad. Um, and yeah, it was, that's really what it is. It's just a lot of um, mallet percussion, drum drums and like auxiliary percussion um, to, and create put together to create a show so what kind of music do you play in winter percussion is it i i know in marching band you have a sort of a combination is it the is it sort of similar in that way yeah very similar it's always like different genres um people are trying to be more with it these days by um putting in some real popular like catchy memorable songs that people can hook on to and sing along as they listen to the show uh, but there's always like some sort of classical arrangement, um, maybe like a rock arrangement. It's just all different genres, depending on what fits best for the show theme that you're doing that year. And uh, some examples were um, Ariana Grande. Yeah, last year for the show um, Power, we did God is a Woman with Ariana Grande. And I, I don't really remember what else we did. That one, see, that one really stuck up to me, and I'm sure it did to the audience members as well. Um, in the past years, we've done um, a song from the Up soundtrack, to the Disney soundtrack we did, um, a little bit of Pat Metheny. Um, we've done uh, WC, we've done um, Shostakovich, we've done um, just really all over the place. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And sort of a segue into our next subject. Um, so now that you're an arts administrator and that you used to be an elementary music school teacher, what made you decide to change your career? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, and one that I think about pretty pretty often and making sure I made the right choice because I did really love teaching and it really wasn't that that made me change my career. It was really that I couldn't imagine myself staying for 30 plus years in one classroom, um, only teaching and getting and exposing that one group to, to music that, and to content that I think is important. And I feel like I saw myself working in a bigger world that was more outside of my classroom and through arts administration and through an education department in a large musical organization, I can really have a lot of access to many, many um, students and adults who um, wouldn't originally be, maybe get that musical education. And this education that they get through these programs um, is, is it's live music and it's really um, impactful and um, I think it's really important um, for those people to get, for everyone to get the kind of exposure. And um, 
I just it's just really an exciting field, and I really like the administrative administrative side of the the live music world for sure. Thanks for sharing. Um, so we'll take a little break. Sure. I think we're gonna check out your playlist that you sent me. Yeah. Uh, are you having a good time so far? Yes, dude. Yes. That's great. Uh, so we'll take a little break and we'll be right back. Okay. Hold on. And we're back with my sister Grace from Kunis. And uh, Grace, uh, how did you come about with this playlist? Um, I was thinking about a life's playlist needs to be songs that are important to you at different times in your life and not just um, songs or pieces that really impact you now. And so I kind of thought of one for each, each time each like big milestone I guess in my life okay uh, so the first song we're going to listen to is Stop This Train by John Mayer do you want to say anything about before I start playing it uh, I guess I can talk about it after we listen to it okay sounds great let's do it Okay. I know there wasn't a lot, but um, I think it sort of gives a taste of uh, what the song's about. Um, so my first question to you is, uh, how did you first hear about John Mayer? To be honest, I have no idea. Wait, let's think. I feel like it starts for, for many people that way. Like when you find someone you really like, you're like, how did I sort of figure that part out? Um, I think that I knew his silly song, um, Your Body is a Wonderland, right? Because that one played on the radio a lot. Of course. And so like, I knew of that, right? And I was like, oh, whatever. This one song's kind of weird. Um, makes me kind of uncomfortable as like a small child. And, um, and then I started to listen to him more and appreciate his lyrics as a high schooler. And, um... This song, especially Stop This Train that he writes, is all about how time is moving so fast and can't we just stop and take a break from it just, the, the train just keeps on moving and um, I really, that really resonated with me and I think the guitar sound really, um, it goes through, this entire like motif goes through the entire song and it kind of sounds like the the chug of a train going through, um, like passing by, and um, yeah, the the lyrics really resonated with me because I was in high school, and my I think I talked about this before, like your family that you create within that marching band world, and your family you create in your town that you live in that you've grown up in for you know for feels like forever. Um, and it was forever for me, was going to be changing because I was going to college very soon. So I remember listening to this song on the way home. We used to drive to Ohio for our competitions and um, our, our bus ride home was 14 hours. And this song I had playing the entire time on repeat 
Um, and I was like sleeping and waking up and looking at the Pennsylvania roads and um, it just really, it's very, very ingrained in my memory during that time to remind, if I listen to it, even those first 14 seconds remind me of those, of that time in my life and um, and for a while it was my ringtone, sorry, like my alarm. So every single morning in college, I'd wake up to that song too. So it was a lot of like memories of change and um, hearing John Mayer's voice, which I love, and his guitar playing, which I also appreciate. So the next tune we're going to listen to is a piece by Caroline Shaw. You want to talk about yeah, it a little sure, bit? Sure, sure. So my friend, um, actually, who's also um, in my graduate program at IU, he rec- uh, recommended this to me. And... We're, we're both very passionate about um, musicians and composers who are alive and how we should be really more cognizant of music that's really out by those people and not always just thinking about classical music as um, written by people who are old, white, and dead. And so... Caroline Shaw, she's pretty young and she's writing some really great music that's pretty transformational. So it's really exciting and I love it. Okay, let's check it out. Okay. This is The Orange Tree from her piece called The Orange. Okay. So different. So different. And um, I wish we could play the whole thing. It's it's so worth the listen. It's only about, like, I think the movement's about, like, two minutes long or something. Two minutes, yeah. And it's it's so, so cool how that um, ostinato the, in that second violin part just keeps on going throughout the entire, throughout the entire movement. Um, starts and ends the movement and then different layers different textures keep on coming in and out with harmonics in the in the first violin and this melody this like really haunting melody comes in the cello and i love it and watching them the ataka quartet that performs it in that um recording they're seriously digging the piece for sure and they're like smiling and they're like getting into it and They've got like this stank face on that I love, and because um, they're just like this is the best piece ever, and um, that's I think that's why I love it because it's written by someone who's who's really relevant right now and kind of changing the game for um, composers and women composers, and we need to be more con- conscious of what's coming out these days. That's seriously great, and. That's not just traditional classical music that's being appreciated. So to the non-musician listening right now, uh, can you explain what's happening in the violin part, maybe? Um, it's basically um, in that violin part that you hear, you hear going back and forth. Right. So basically it's just, um, we talked about it by ourselves, right? Yesterday, how it's like an extended technique. And they're basically just hitting every single string going up and down. 
Um, a lot of arm movement and wrist movement is involved, I'm assuming. I'm not a violent player, but um, it looks like it takes a lot of effort, and that is what's happening. They're kind of hitting every, every string. Sorry to be attacking you about that. I just wanted to sort of gauge your interest about uh, what's going on in that part. Um, so let's talk about another song you brought sure, to the sure. table. Let's talk about I'm Not That Girl. Oh, God, okay. So middle school Grace was very much into Wicked, the musical. And would you say that's your favorite musical? I would say that has always been my favorite musical. And there have others that have come and gone as I would say my favorites. But this one kind of always ends up at the end of the day my favorite just because of the complexity of the story and then the you know it's history with me and how I how much I've always loved it and um, know every single line by heart and all the harmonies to every single song and um, yeah I just really loved it and it was also I took a really big leap of faith a couple years ago and did a community um, community production of company in the town where I was teaching and I auditioned with this song and so that's why it means a lot to me okay let's listen to it sure let's check it out Sorry to stop it right there. I know it's sort of a tender moment right there. Um, so what does the, the lyric, I'm not that girl, sort of mean to you? Well, that, I don't know. Um, to me, it really kind of just, if you know the context of the show, then you know what it means. How she, she really loves the Sky Fiero, and it seems that the um, Kristen Chenoweth, the bubbly blonde, is who she who he really wants. Um, and if you if you watch the show, you'll find out really what he who he do who, who he do who he does <laughs> want <laughs> at the end of the day. How he do? How he do? So uh, when you listen to this song, what's something you listen for? Is it the singers? Is it for like the orchestration? Yeah, I listen to both. Um, but I I really love her voice, and I've always loved her voice. Um, I feel like as years gone on, she's gotten older and it's not as great anymore, but I saw her when she was first on Broadway, I saw her in Wicked, and then I saw her, she was like touring with her first album, I saw her performing in Bridgeport and she was really great. I do know if you're listening, you are still great. Grace is just <laughs> criticizing your singing skill right now. And well I also think that um, there's a prize too. There's a prize? There's a, a, a reprise. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not a surprise. Yeah. Like, what? But a, a reprise yeah. as in it returns. Yeah. But a different character sings that song. That's it's, right. Yeah. And you kind of have to, like, I don't want to spoil anything. But you, you don't have to. to. But yeah, you gotta listen to it yourself. That's, that's really I good. think I And I think that when something comes back in that way, 
a reprise really means it returns, but it doesn't always have the same meaning. That's right. Yeah, which yes, is interesting. That, that reprise definitely changes the meaning of the song for sure. Which is, I think is really cool. So go check out Wicked if you haven't had a chance yet. Yeah. Um, you Can Close Your Eyes by Carol King and James Taylor. Yeah, so this is an odd one. Um, not an odd song at all, but the way I stumbled upon it, I thought was really interesting. So um, a couple of years ago, I was listening to James Taylor Pandora because I adore him. And this song came on and I found myself singing along, but had never heard the song before. And I got spooked. I was like, I promise I've never heard this song before. I'm not even good at memorizing lyrics. That's not really my thing. Um, and so I called my mom later that day and I said, Hey, like, do you, do we know this song? Like, do we listen to it growing up? And she was like, that's crazy because I sang this to you as a baby. And, and she was like, we don't really listen to it now. Like, I don't understand how you would totally know it, but it just feels very calming to me whenever I listen to it. It's like a lullaby. And um, I love the I, I mean I love both of them, Carol King and James Taylor. Mm. And so the combination of them is pretty beautiful. So this is You Can Close Your Eyes by Carol King and James Taylor live at the Troubadour. <laughs> nice pair yeah i think they sing really well together do you like how they sing together i do i do um i also think the title of the song is kind of intimate uh does that mean anything to you i think it's like a lullaby um like you're safe you're in good company i guess cool close your eyes yep yeah i like that um anything else you want to say about this piece before we go on to the next one okay all right, and to end it off on a high note, here comes the sun from the Beatles. I think everyone knows this one, but why is it special to you? Yeah, so I know this is a, a classic, um, but it's a song that I sang with my kiddos in elementary school choir um, for a couple of years, and because I noticed that when we, when we would sing it, it would just make them so happy. And um, I had a student that wrote me a letter that said, Miss from Kunis, you are the sun in my life. And like, it really, you know, it really meant a lot to me. And um, it seemed like this, this song really meant a lot to them. And it was most of their, um, most of their first times ever hearing a Beatles song before. And I got to really talk about the Beatles and their their legacy and their impact on rock music and music in general. And they just had never heard about them before. And I know for a fact that all of them are huge fans of it now. And I, I love that. So this song reminds me of that kind of chapter in my life. Okay, here's Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles.
Such a great song. Um, so it always seems like Beatles songs are timeless. Uh, why do you think they're timeless? I think that the melody is memorable. The accompaniment is catchy and uplifting. And I guess the message is universal and and loved by many and passed down by especially now a lot of you know a lot of parents and I think our parents grew up really mm -hmm. loving the Beatles and and then passing that down to us and our generation and it's just very yeah it's very prevalent right now yeah I think the lyrics too um, here comes mm -hmm. the sun mm-hmm sort of makes a message of everything's going to be okay. Yeah, right. Just this like is really important right now during this crazy time. Yeah. So Grace, thank you for sharing your playlist. Yeah. Uh, we'll take one more break and we'll be right back. If you can hold on a little longer, uh, we're going to play a little bit of a game and then uh, we'll call it quits. Sound good? Yep. Okay. Thanks, and we're back. Okay, Grace. So, um, I'm going to give you a chance to win a prize today. Oh my god, what's the prize? The prize is homemade pizza by me. Whoa. If you get three out of the next five right. Okay. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's see here. Okay. Here's the first question. Okay. In 2011, which musical superstar launched her own social media website? What? Say it again? Sure. Uh, in 2011, which music superstar launched her own social media website? Taylor Swift? So Lady close. Gaga. It was Lady Gaga. Mm -hmm. Nice try. Nice try, Grace. Oh, right, right. Okay. Four, four more chances. Four more chances. Here we go. Who won American Idol season one? Kelly Clarkson. That is correct. So now you have one so far. Here we go. Next question. Who was the lead singer of the band Queen? Freddie Mercury. That's right. You got two. You got two. You got two. You got two. Okay. In, here's a hard one. Okay. In 2012, Psy got the record for the most YouTube views ever, passing what artist who previously held that record? Of YouTube? YouTube. Oh, God. Um. Oh, God, I don't think I know. Do you want to take a guess? Sure. Let me just think. Like, YouTube? YouTube, yeah. Oh, 
Lady Gaga? Oh, no. <laughs> it was Justin Bieber. Oh, babes. Justin Bieber. Okay, here's the last question and last chance for you oh to God, win a, a hand-free pizza by me. Here we go. Which band released the song Hey There, Delilah? Playing White Tees. That's right. You win Woo! a pizza. So, uh, Grace, it was a pleasure talking to you as always. Me too. Um, I hope you had fun. I definitely had fun. We're going to be doing more of these in the future. I'll try to get you in on another episode eventually. We'll talk cool. again. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to say to our listeners as we close up here? Um, I guess just keep on listening to um, music that's written by live composers. Let's keep it going. And attend arts events. Support the arts. Thank you, Grace. And you have been listening to Music Speaks, a podcast for lovers of music everywhere. Next week, I'll have the chance to interview Ryan Fellman, the current graduate choral conducting student at Ithaca College. And that's it for me. I'm Sean Akunis, and keep listening to what you love. <laughs>